Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Here we are once again, the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He's Maurice Moten, and welcome. To the heat of July. It is 112 degrees in Brooklyn, according to Mo. It's about 102 here in Florida, so it's weird how that worked out. But uh, as always, welcome. We got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to get to NBA-wise, MLB-wise. So we're going we're gonna to start off uh, fast and furious. I'm going to throw it to Mo. Mo, welcome to episode 21. Uh, the show can officially drink. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, we're, we're legal now, so we're going to get into some hard-hitting topics today. As you, you mentioned a few, we're obviously going to recap free agency. Contracts become official today. We're going to get into, obviously, KD and D-Wade and their decisions. We're going to talk uh, baseball and a very, very serious issue that I will finally break my silence on in the wrap-up. But I'm going to take it back to my opening rant, and it... I'm sorry, people, but I need five minutes for this rant because I've been on this for the longest time. People have basically criminalized LeBron James for leaving Cleveland, burning his jersey. And, and what happened? KD wrote a heartfelt letter. What did the fans do? They burned his jersey. Mm-hmm. Wade, last night, when he made his decision to go to Chicago, what did they do? They burnt his jersey. The bottom line is, if a player leaves and he's been with the franchise for a while, six, seven, eight years, in Wade's case, 13 years, the fans are going to react a certain way. Certain fans are irrational. We already know that. I mean, if I'm a fan and I have an authentic jersey, not the one that washes off the letters in the name after one wash in the washing machine, (laughs) but a real jersey, I'm selling it on eBay and I'm making money off of it if you feel that hateful toward a player. For sure. But the whole burning jerseys trend is just just overdone. People now do it for camera time. It has no bearing on how a player leaves. As long as a player leaves, the fans are going to feel a certain type of way. Think of it this way. If you leave your company and the company wanted you to stay, or if you were in a relationship and the other person wasn't ready to split up but you decided to go elsewhere, whether you wrote a letter or rolled up to their grandmother's house and told them or called them over the phone or sent an email or or took them out on an exotic date and then broke up with them after, it doesn't matter. The point is the person no longer wants to be with you or a part of your company. So let's stop all of this. I don't like the way LBJ left. Well, KD and D-Wade did it sincerely, you know, as gracious as you can do it, and still fans acted a certain way. So let's just throw out the whole, oh, I didn't like the decision. He didn't have to have a TV show. It doesn't matter. He wanted to leave. You're going to be upset anyway if you were a Cleveland fan. Now, there are people now that are crying and saying, oh, I'm not going to watch the NBA next year because it's a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are going to win the title. Well, let me check. The Boston Celtics had a big three. You watched. Uh, Miami had a big three. You watched. Cleveland just had a big three, and you watched. So I feel people are going to watch anyway. Yes, they probably have a big four. You got Draymond, Clay, Steph, and KD. But people are going to watch to see if they succeed or not. I mean, people want to know if they can make, I don't know, 78 and four, 77 and five. I said the over under for that team should be 73 wins because let's say they do go for the record. They'll probably want to break Golden State's record from this year, and then they'll rest their players. If they go for the record, maybe they're just all about championships and they win an average 65 games, which is not average for any other team. But the point is, 
you're still going to watch. Uh, and these players are not doing it for you, the fans. They're doing it for themselves. This is not about you, the fan. Even though fans like to think it is about them, it is not. It is about the players. They're the ones sweating, bleeding out on the court, sustaining injuries, having surgery after surgery to support themselves and their family. Their decisions are not based on you. It's based on them. Think about this. If they were to retire tomorrow, let's say they had KD had an injury, are you going to go to KD's house? And pay his mortgage? Are you going to pay him the same amount as you paid for that ticket when you went to Chesapeake Arena to watch him? No. So why is he thinking about you when he makes his decision? Yes, he loves your support, but decision is all about him, whether it's money, like Dwayne Wade's case, or whether it's championships, like KD's case. It's not about what you think is best for the player. It's about what they think is best for themselves and their families. And for KD, he said it's all about the rings. And you got to understand it. We now make fun of players or we poke at players who don't win championships. Barkley, Ewing, Miller. We look at these players like they're not that great because they never won the big one. Maybe KD is working on his own legacy. He says, well, you know what? I do want to win the big one. I do want to go to Golden State where I have a better chance of winning than OKC. Say what you want. Compare him to Kobe. Compare him to Jordan. He's neither of those players. He's KD. This is, this is his decision. You can't poo-poo him for that. This is what he wants to do. So I had a tweet and I said, I, I'm, I'm happy for KD. If this, what he feels is best for him, good for him. Even if I had a KD jersey, I, I, don't, I haven't worn a jersey since maybe I was 15 years old. But for the grown men out there wearing jerseys that felt the need to burn it, maybe you need to rethink your life because if you were at your job and you had a decision to make, I'm sure you wouldn't go to the boss and say, well, I need to think about what my boss feels. How do the customers feel at Burger King when I serve them their food? hamburger and french fries i'm not making fun of burger king workers but i just use that as an example if you're working at any company you're at the stock market if you're if you're selling hats on the sidewalk when you make a decision you're not making a decision based on what the fans think it's what's again it's what's best for you so that's my opening rant and i'm glad i had to get that off my chest because there's been a lot of flame being thrown at these players and again they're the ones out there in the court you're out there enjoying it for entertainment but this is their life this is what they've worked on since they were kids before college before aau ball this is what they grew up doing so they're they're trying to make out what's best for them and i congratulate kd wade and any other players who decide to leave their their franchises for for greener pastures for a ring or for money or whatever it is Boom, mic drop. There it is. Mo with the knowledge, Mo with the rant, Mo with the win. That is it for the open topic. We'll be right back with open mic. Stay tuned. Open mic. All right, so it was a huge week for NBA superstars switching teams. And before we get into the list of who's who, uh, I got a question for Mo, because I was really giving this a lot of thought. Obviously, we know by now I'm in Orlando. But would you consider that what just happened to the Oklahoma City Thunder, trading Ibaka and losing their best player, Kevin Durant, and possibly losing Russell Westbrook next year, is this a bigger collapse or a bigger disaster than what the Orlando Magic went through in the early 90s when they could not win with Shaq and Penny? Well, I, I know where you're going with this, Mike, because I know this is near and dear to your heart, being the Orlando Magic collapse happened. Um, but I don't think this is on that level, only because you got to think of it this way. Yes, they lost KD. He's probably one of the top three players in the league. But they still have Westbrook to trade or keep. Now, 
Westbrook's intentions are immediately known right now. I know Sam Presti is considering trading him if he doesn't get a commitment from Westbrook that he'll stay long term. So at least he'll have Westbrook as a trade ship and he'll be able to get young pieces back. The second thing is the Oklahoma City Thunders organization is a lot better organized than the Orlando Magic's was back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, they know how to draft players. They had Harden, they had Durant, they had Westbrook. So that organization knows how to draft players, whether it, they're at the top of the first round or in the mid-first round. So I don't worry about them long-term. And you also have to consider the trade they made to get some parts. I know they're not big names like Victor Oladipo. They got DeMontis Sabonis, who's gonna, who I think is going to be a decent player down the road. You still have Steven Adams there and Enos Kanter. I mean, it's it's not loaded, but you would have more than what the Magic had back then when they lost their two superstars. The other thing is Penny Penny's injuries kind of uh, make that Magic situation look worse than what it was. Westbrook has missed some games, but if he's if he's at full strength and he decides to stay, he's your new building block. He's your new centerpiece. So I don't feel that it is as bad as the Magic situation. Yeah, that's very it's very true. That injuries to Penny and you know th- that what really derailed his career was unfortunate. And but that's not something we've seen from Oklahoma City. Although they had much more talent when you factor in James Harden and and all those other guys that seem to leave you know one piece at a time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But getting into the Oklahoma City Thunder situation, people are trying to decide what. How good would they be next year as presently constructed? And I think they're still a playoff team. I think they're still a succeed. Because you gotta believe that Russell Westbrook is gonna be going off every night now. Cause there's no KD. It's like it's like when your mom's not home, when your parents not home when you're a kid, now you can just go crazy and do whatever you want. That's gonna be Russell Westbrook if they don't decide to trade him before the season starts. As you know, they traded Harden before the season got underway because as you wait, the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to trade a player because teams know that he's going to leave anyway. So I feel like if the trade is going to happen with Westbrook, it's going to happen early. If if he stays, it's a sign that he may he might be the centerpiece for OKC going forward, and they will be about a six or seven seed next season. I just think it's too big of a risk to keep Westbrook. You just lost Durant. I mean, you just lost you know the centerpiece of your team. Are you really willing to start the season? with no no guarantees from this guy you know more than likely he's gonna at least test the free agent market I mean and again Mark Spears said oh don't worry KD's 90% sure coming back to uh, Golden State (laughs) well that 10% must have been a big 10% so I personally would not would not risk it and this goes back to Shaq this goes back to the fact that you you can't really cannot really chance it you have to trade the player I know it's not something that fans of a team want to hear but much like the Magic, when they actually did trade Dwight Howard, you have to get something for these guys because losing them for nothing can set you back. Uh, how long have the Magic been losing? Uh, 20, 24 years? So I, I don't, I, that's, hopefully that's not something that happens to a team like OKC, which since they've come from Seattle has been a winning organization. Here's the kicker, though. I, I, did, I did a piece yesterday on why the Knicks shouldn't trade for Westbrook because apparently there's been an idea floated around that the Knicks should trade Kristaps Porzingis for Westbrook no. and there are a million reasons why it doesn't work. The number one reason is their contracts don't match. Sure. Phil Jackson has already committed enough cap space where he can't absorb another $17 million contract. If Westbrook really wants to come to the Knicks and it's been reported that he really likes Kristaps Porzingis, then he can come in for agency, he can kind of pull a mellow and maybe he can kind of he kind of keep it on hush hush until he's a free agent. He can he can kind of spurn the OKC Thunder and put them in a tailspin, or he can force his way out 
and, and basically become a one-year rental for another team. And then once his contract expires, he can sign with the Knicks. But by no means, the Knicks should be trying to put together something to trade for him. I don't even think the Knicks have enough to pull him in anyway because they their main player, Carmel Anthony, has a no-trade clause, as you already know. Kristaps Porzingis, again, the, the contracts don't match. And then you have a couple of players who are pretty good but are on the decline in roles and know it. I'm sure, okay, see, they want younger pieces. They don't want 30... One year old, a 31 year old center, or a point guard who's had a lot of knee problems and multiple surgeries. So that's not going to happen. My thing is, um, with, with KD, as far as he's concerned, a lot of people have been digging into his psyche. What, what went into his decision? And Royce Young of ESPN said that KD would read tweets after games to see what fans say about him. And then there's a report from Howard Beck over at Bleacher Report saying that KD's relationship with Westbrook went kind of sour because KD was in contact with Draymond Green throughout the season. And Westbrook really didn't like that buddy-buddy relationship that they had. And other players also took offense to it. But I think as part of KD's decision was, I think maybe he didn't want to carry this team with Westbrook. Maybe Westbrook is not a great co-star to run a basketball team with. And the second thing is he, he looked at Golden State and he feels like, he could just be one of them. He could just be one of the four big four that they have instead of being KD and, and drawing all of this attention to media. Because I remember he took offense to, uh, I believe there was a headline in Oklahoma saying that he, he choked or he let the city down or he let the team down, and he didn't really like that. You can tell he, his response was short, but you can tell he didn't really like the headline. And I feel like KD is, and I'm not taking a shot at him, I think he's a tad bit sensitive, and he can be swayed through through media. And I don't think he he wanted that spotlight. And on Golden State, he kind of not high behind Stephen Curry, but he can blend in with that squad. Yeah, not everybody is is a born leader. And again, also not a shot. But it, I mean, why it doesn't have to be? You know, Russell Westbrook was the guy who would go out there and you know talk to the media and you know really start you know, trouble on the court or just be himself. And KD was the quiet one and he will fit in nicely personality wise in Golden State. As far as how many shots can go around per game, that's another story. Um, I said the over-under should be about 76 for this team on paper, but it's we have to see how they all blend in. You know, we have to see how Golden State reacts without a big body in the middle now that they traded Andrew Bogut uh, to the Mavs for, for nothing, essentially, just to clear the cap space. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'm sure there'll be, you know, the one or two seed in the West. That It's not going to change. But again, this could be a Miami Heat situation when LeBron and D Wade, you know, first got together way back when, and it didn't gel right away. You know, it took a half the season, three quarters of the season for this team to really work well together. So don't be surprised if they come out of the gate, you know, mediocre. It's going to take a while for, for all of these different basketball, you know, gods to kind of put it together on the court and figure out how they work best. But at, I'm sure it will eventually. See, the quick difference is with, with, with the Miami Big Three, Two guys came in and they joined, and none of those three guys had played together beforehand. With Golden State, they already had a championship team. Sure. They're just adding one piece. Yes, that chemistry will have to be built, but at least they have they had a nucleus in place. That team already had been to two championships, and they're adding again, probably the third best player, second best player in the league. So I think they're, they're going to get up to a hot start. They're going to share the basketball. What's going to have to happen is. 
two of those guys are going to have to check their egos at the door, and it'll probably be Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. Even though I really like the way Klay Thompson played in this past postseason, he's probably going to have to check his ego at the door because the top two players on that basketball team, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, are going to lead that unit. So the other two guys are going to have to fall in line and just kind of fill in the spots, fill in the gaps where KD and Steph Curry aren't on or are on the bench. But quick question, where does Westbrook play next season at the beginning of 2017? What is your opinion on that? Um, twofold. If he does not get traded and he is a free agent and he goes wherever the heck he he wants to, I see. I mean, I see it with the Knicks, and I'm not saying that because oh, it's Mike and it's the Knicks. I see because if Phil Jackson has the opportunity to grab a Russell Westbrook and pair him with what he's currently constructing, uh, you let Derrick Rose go. You let him go, and it's essentially going to be you know be a couple more dollars per year for Russell. But honestly, that's a heck of a trade in, in itself. Uh, if he doesn't go to the bright lights in the big city, I don't see him going to the Lakers. I just that team is so convoluted with just the same type of player and the leadership. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Luke Walton. I don't think that's a good situation for him either. There were reports where maybe Boston, because they've still got all that money, because they couldn't really assign anyone but Al Horford. Uh, but I don't like that either. So I'm not really sure on, on what is the best situation for him. But honestly, it could be the Knicks because a scoring point guard, which is something the Knicks haven't had in uh, 40 years, could be just what that team needs. They're not going to look. The Knicks are not going to win the title this year, but they're going to be a whole heck of a lot better and i love the narrative now in new york is that everybody's saying like mike greenberg on on mike and mike and there was another gentleman on Rosillo and canal saying how russell westbrook will be a nick next year and yet two weeks ago before we pulled off the derrick rose trade the knicks were a joke the knicks were going nowhere phil jackson didn't know what he was doing well how quickly the tide has turned because all of a sudden the Knicks are people predicting to, to win the three, the three of the four seed in the East, you know, and now we're quite possibly getting Russell Westbrook next year. So pump the brakes a little bit. If you have, if you have Westbrook and Melo on the same team, right. Mm-hmm. And it's been Melo's team. And then Westbrook comes along and, and we just saw how he possibly ran off Kevin Durant. How do Westbrook and Carmelo get along? Because as you know, Carmelo likes to have the ball. He likes to take the last shot. And then you're going to have Westbrook, who's probably at a better stage in his career because he'll be younger. And Melo will be probably two years away from on the downhill on the way out. So how do those two coexist? Well, that's, and that's, that's the thing. The yeah, that's a great question. But that's the thing. If the Knicks don't win the title this year, which they're not going to win the title on by this year, I mean 2016-17, Carmelo is now 32, and he has to take a good look in the mirror and say, if you were to get Russell Westbrook, that that would be the best team that he's ever been surrounded by. Uh, you know, Porzingis, who would then be, what, in his third year? Uh, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook, who could be the most elite point guard in the league, arguably, with Steph Curry, and all the other guys they've signed this offseason uh, to pair with a guy who's aging but still can score, he would have to knock his ego down a whole bunch of levels and if he doesn't then then they won't get Westbrook or even if they do it won't work but if he really is serious about winning a title in New York before he retires then he would have to and I would implore him that if he gets a little bit of a taste of winning this year in New York like he did when he first came and they make a run and he's really serious about doing it for the state of New York the city of New York because that's where he was born then he should go about it the right way and welcome Russell Westbrook with open arms and let him do his thing like he did in OKC. Russell Westbrook is probably the most unpredictable guy. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know if he's thinking 
Okay, OKC is mine now. KD left. Is he thinking, should I go back home? Because you know he's from Long Beach, California, yeah. with, with UCLA. Is he thinking I should go to the Lakers? Will the Clippers make a play for him, being it's still LA, still the Staples Center, so go to the Clippers. Now, the Knicks, I, I can see it happening, and it will be the greatest justification for bringing Phil Jackson on and throwing him the bank, you know, to, to do his job. If Russell Westbrook actually signs there, it would be a great thing for the Knicks. Not only will they be, I mean, they're they're interesting now, but then they, I think they would be a contender out east, and then you'll have Westbrook battling LeBron James. I would sign up for that. Westbrook and LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Finals for the for the next three years after. It would be a good matchup. But uh, as far as Durant, I feel like you and Durant have something in common. Durant's guy who, who <laughs> felt like he needed to move. And you're a guy who's been to a couple of different states and yeah, cities. Sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Durant, him moving his, you know, his mobility and not being rigid. I think Kobe and Joy were more rigid because they they like that having ownership of their team. They like being the man in, in L.A. or in Chicago, whereas Durant was kind of like... I just want to move and win. That's all I want to do. And and Jordan and Kobe were on good teams already. And and as the story goes, Kobe said, "Hey, it's me or Shaq. The Lakers could have traded Kobe." So that in a way, he kind of asked for his way out if they were going to pick Shaq over him. So you can't really say, "Oh, Kobe sticks it out with his team." If he didn't like the situation, which it seems KD might have been a little sour on his relationship with with Westbrook, you can't blame him for moving. No, absolutely not. And I think. I think Durant did the right thing, not only for himself, but but for for OKC in the long run. I, you know, it's hard to say today that you know that from an OKC's point of view, a fan's point of view, that this was the right thing. But he's thirty, and you know what? He honestly must have felt in his heart of hearts, and I feel the same way about Dwayne Wade. They just did not think they could get it done where they currently were. Whether you agree with with what Durant did or not by going to you know what could what was one game away from being a, a back to back title. Regardless, he did it. He did it because he wanted an easier path to a title. Uh, does anybody really want to work harder in life and get a, a worse result? No, you want to work less and get more of a result. So if you're t- saying that he's a bum because of what he did as who he signed with because it's an easier path to glory, then you're fooling yourself because everybody and anybody would do this. As far as his demeanor, maybe he's not a big city guy. He obviously went to the University of Texas. He played in OKC for a long time, but he also wanted a little bit more. He wanted a little bit brighter lights. So he gets that in Oakland, uh, or eventually will be uh, San Francisco across the bay when they move. Great city, lots and lots of life, lots of lots of things to do, culture. Uh, but it's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not a place where he has to go and be the center of attention. So I just think that this fits in really well for him. Uh, you know what? Enough with the burning of the jerseys and enough of, of wishing him, you know, all the harm in the world. Because, you know what? He actually left more money on the table by leaving OKC and signing with Golden State. Obviously, he will opt out next year, just like everybody who got that opt-in uh, will do. But you know what? He got could have gotten more guaranteed money, more with the bird rights by staying in OKC. So, uh, you know, before you're so quick to, to you know, draw draw an opinion, judgment on this guy, at least look at the numbers and say, well, he's doing something for himself, for his family. He feels it's the right move. And just just back him, especially if you know, especially if you're a fan of the NBA in general. This is just gonna make for great primetime TV every time OKC is playing in your city. You're gonna want to go see it every time they're playing a legit team in the East, in the West. You're gonna turn on the TV. They're going to make more money. So if you think this is bad for the NBA, it's not. You're absolutely right. But um, you want to talk about people hopping from team to team? Before we get into our buddy Dwayne Wade. 
how about David West or oh. Ray Allen? The minute the minute the KD trade, uh, the minute <laughs> KD move, go he signs with Golden State. Then you hear David West signs for like two dollars and fifty cents yep. to sit on Golden State's bench. Yep. Like seriously, and then out of nowhere, Ray Allen pops into the conversation. Ray Allen is considering Golden State or Boston or or something like that. I'm just like, really? Yeah, seriously. You people are killing Kevin Durant and killing LeBron James, but yet you had these. 35, 40-year-olds chasing rings, at, and and this guy, Ray Allen, has, was out the whole year last year, and now all of a sudden, he, now he's considering Golden State. He could just step in. Like, I like Ray Allen and everything, but you're going to kill KD, and I know KD's a way higher stature than Ray Allen and David West, but they, these guys are literally chasing rings. They're willing to hand out Gatorade bottles <laughs> on Golden State Warriors just to get a ring. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm calling Allen Iverson and see even if he wants to run the point. So, I mean, let's just call Seriously. Gary Payton, Carmel. Let's bring them all back. You know, you know what? The, yeah. It's got. It's a little bit insane. I mean, Ray Allen was a great player. Uh, I, if my memory serves me correctly, won a ring in Boston. So I don't really understand what the need is to get more. Uh, he hasn't played in two years. I don't. They say he's in shape, but come on, dude, you're 40 years old. What? What? What is the point? I get David West uh, to a certain extent. At least he's been in the league, but again, he is definitely jumping ship. And uh, as you can tell, with my man uh, Anderson Varejo and and uh, and David West to that extent, even though they switched teams, it hasn't necessarily been the right team. So wouldn't it be funny if uh, Golden State either doesn't get to the finals or gets to the finals and loses again, and David West is left watching yet again? You're absolutely right. But you know who I suggest that the Ghost State Warriors sign for a good deal? Get Patrick Ewing <laughs> from the New York Knicks back on the on the court. I like Get it. The, he, of all people, he deserves a ring. Seriously. Get that man, because he said he was sitting on the bench for a ring. Get that man out of a suit. He could take off coaching for a year. Go get yourself a ring. Play like five minutes a game. Just stand there, throw a hook shot, throw, you know, have a jumper or something like that. Give that man a ring. He really deserves it. Yeah, him and Charles Barkley. Let's bring down the whole TNT team. Ernie Johnson, you know, Kenny can't play because he's got a couple rings. But anybody else, uh, Grant Hill, if he wants to come down and play, uh, Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for whomever. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But speaking of ridiculous, let's talk about Dwayne Wade and the saga that is the Miami Heat. The disrespect, as Stephen yeah. A. Smith would say. The disrespect. That utter disrespect. (laughs) You know what? I see it. I see it as it. Yes, it was disrespectful. They they offered him ten mil. Yeah, the guy. Pretty bad. You how many championships? You offered him ten mil. But to me, that was a sign that Pat Riley was ready to move on. Oh yeah. He said, "Hey, I'm not paying this guy north of twenty million because he's at the end of his career. He's what thirty four years old. We need to move on. We gave Hassan Whiteside the max." We got Goran Dragic, we got Justice Winslow, who's on the upswing, and next year's free agency could possibly bring Miami another max deal superstar. Could be Westbrook. So why pay Wade for two years, 20-plus million, when you got free agency next year that's going to blow up, and he's, again, he's injury-prone. Just good move by Pat Riley to, to lowball him. Yeah, I mean, it was. It seemed like everybody kind of got exactly what they wanted. You know, Dwayne wanted to get paid for taking those taking those uh, team-friendly contracts since LeBron came. He wanted to get paid. And and maybe he should have got the Kobe contract. You know, it, it, it's very possible. And it's funny, uh, on, on the jump the other day, ESPN's The Jump, Rachel Nichols was sitting next to Byron Scott, who was there, who coached Kobe through those miserable few Lakers seasons. And even, even Byron said... 
Yeah, yeah, Dwayne should have got the Kobe contract. Uh, but you know what? Pat Riley, I guess, is too smart at the end of the day for that. And maybe, yes, he should have, according to reports, Miami Herald said that Pat didn't even talk to the to Dwayne Wade once on the phone, only talked to his representatives. That's that's pretty that's really weak. I don't know now if Dwayne was dodging his calls or the two just, you know, had bad reception or what. But regardless, the man did a, did a ton for your organization. He's the reason you've got all those rings, even going back to Shaq. So, you know, he deserved more. But again, it's a business. If if next year, if supposedly, it's supposed to be even a better crop of free agents. It's supposed to be a much better draft. And as of right now, as it stands, the Miami Heat only have $39 million of guaranteed contracts. So they can go out and they can retool this team. Yes, this will be a bad year for Miami Heat and their fans. But you know what? One bad year can can bring you six or seven really, really good years. And in six or seven years, Dwayne Wade is going to be doing uh, Dwayne and Kelly Ripa live like he did today from New York. So Dwayne will be out of the league. I understand it's hard to see your guy in another uniform. It's like if we are, it's like, God forbid, had Derek Jeter actually ever left the New York Yankees. I, it, it shouldn't happen, but it does. It's 2016. It's a different market. That salary cap has never been this high. It actually even won't be this high next year. It'll be, what did they say? 102 million so these guys got what they got and you know it is what it is so uh good for Dwayne going home playing with Chicago there's still a part of me that believes he's traded to Cleveland on December 15th I that's just me that's a conspiracy theorist in me I don't know about you Mo wow you you are beating the conspiracy theorist bandwagon right now I love I don't it. see that happening I think he's happy he I mean on Kelly and Ripley he said he always envisioned himself playing at the United Center and he gets to do it in Chicago. He's from Chicago. He's from Illinois. So I think he's going to be happy where he is. I don't see Chicago winning anything. They'll no. probably, I think they'll probably battle the Knicks for like the 4-5 or five seed. But I don't see that team going anywhere. D-Wade just went for the money, basically, because he was using Denver as a leverage. I mean, when, I, when it popped up that he was going to talk to Denver and Milwaukee, I, I'm thinking, not going to happen. He's using this as a ploy. He canceled his meeting with Milwaukee. And Denver was a hard play for Dwayne Wade. Seriously? No. So then Chicago swoops in and basically saves him. And then takes a problem off of Pat Riley's hands. And Pat Riley's sitting back like, thank you. Now I can rebuild, as you said. In 2017, it'll be a big free agency year for, for slick-haired Pat Riley. Yeah. And and who? how can you resist Loomis and Pat Riley? Those guys, they know how to how to talk to free agents and sway them over to, to South Beach. Notwithstanding the, uh, the no-state tax out there. Yep. There's a reason players go to Miami to play, and I think they'll land one or two players next year. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, it's, it'll be a down year, but it works. Uh, as far as the, the, the Bulls are concerned, I, I don't know if they jumped the gun and decided to just sign Dwayne Wade because he's Dwayne Wade. Uh, I don't know how much he really factors into, you know, guys that can shoot the ball. Uh, when you can when you combine him with Rajon Rondo and Jimmy Butler, uh, your best shooter might be Doug McDermott, and I don't think he's going to start. Well, besides, he'll have to give up his jersey that he wears number number three. Uh, that's an interesting team. Fred Hoiberg had little control last year with Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and Paul Gasol, uh, and now brings in you know Dwayne Wade, who's getting up there and is going to want his shots, and Jimmy Butler still wants to be the man, and Rajon Rondo, who is you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. So that is a that's a really weird situation, and that team, like you said, could be a four seed, 
could also be a 10 seed. So, uh, you know, I don't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray area. Um, I wouldn't put it past uh, either, either ends of the spectrum. But regardless, it'll be fun to watch. Before we go into the free agent signings, who are your top, okay, who are your top five in the Eastern Conference right now? Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> All right, well. I'll- Go. I'll go first. I'll put you on the spot. I'll go first. Okay. I got Cleveland. Yeah. I got Toronto still there because Toronto pretty much kept their team. They didn't lose DeMar DeRozan, so they're still going to be pretty good. Well, they did lose Biombo though. What do you feel about him coming to Orlando? Just, they lost Biombo. Yeah. Ron's with oh, not a big deal still. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cleveland, Toronto, I still think Boston is going to be ahead of the Knicks. And I still think Atlanta, I think Atlanta, the Knicks, and Chicago, wait, actually, I'm sorry, shout out to Laura, I almost forgot the Indiana Pacers, the Indiana Pacers are going to be number two. So that's Cleveland, Indiana, then Toronto, then you have Boston at four, and then you're going to have Atlanta, the Knicks, and Chicago battling for five, six, and seven. The Pistons will probably be in there. Maybe they'll make an eight again. I don't know. I had to see what they're... I had to see how Stanley Johnson improves. He's played well in the summer league. He could make a leap. I don't know. Detroit could be pretty good. They could be in there. But that 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 group between Atlanta, Chicago, New York, and Detroit, it's it's going to be hard to call. They're going to fill out the, the bottom four of that bracket. You, I, again, I just named Cleveland, Toronto, Indiana at the top. Boston at the top, and then those four teams are going to be battling. The Eastern Conference is going to be very competitive. I see yeah. the Knicks finish again five, five or six. Yeah, I mean you got the Cavs. I'll go Pacers too because I do, I do really like what they, what they did. Um, on paper, you gotta go, on paper you gotta go Hawks four. Uh, I mean they kept Paul Millsap. Obviously they lost Hawford, but they do get, they do get doc howard dwight whatever you want to call him um you bring in uh who else they traded obviously they traded teague but i think it gives it gives more room for uh dennis schroeder to play and i really like his game i'm gonna go with the knicks four i like the middle of the pack celtics five because i i'm sorry i just still don't believe in the celtics i know you got al horford but uh does that help does that help or hurt jared sullinger I, I don't know. Obviously, it, that sends Jared Sellinger out, out in out in the streets. That's what it does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it helps. It helps Isaiah. But as far as you also lost Evan Turner, you drafted thirty seven uh, small forwards who nobody can name. So I don't like what they did. But I'll put them at five. I'm gonna go with the Hornets at six. I got a lot of love for Charlotte. I, I like them still. Obviously, they did lose Alice Jefferson, but they brought back a lot of guys. So I think they'll be strong. Uh, they did lose Lynn too. But you know, a six seed is it is what it is. Pistons at six. Seven, and I'm going to go Bulls eight. I think the Bulls will get in, but I don't. I don't see them doing a whole lot. And again, uh, it could be fun to see Dwayne Wade playing his boy LeBron in the first round of the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs. So, so no love for Scott Brooks and the Washington Wizards, John Wall, Bradley Beal. No, that's pretty much the same team they had this year. So I mean, they, <laughs> and they, actually, they lost in the day. Coach. No, no. I like Scott Brooks, but uh, he's another one of those Oklahoma City uh, cast-offs. But uh, they just – they don't have enough. They just – I mean, Marcin Gortat has seen his better day, and John Wall is, is a good player, but he needs to be around better players. And Bradley Beal robbed the bank. He should not have gotten a max deal. You're absolutely right. I, I think it's pretty much if, – if you – you know – if you're talking about it around the water cooler, it's pretty much a toss-up to me after Cleveland and Indiana. After that, it's pretty much open because all those teams to me are just muddled up. They're they're pretty good. 
it could be really good or they could bottom out if there's an injury or something like that or maybe a coach goes haywire but you got to put Cleveland and Indiana at the top of the ticket but we'll move on to uh, the free agent signings as I mentioned earlier in the show free agent contracts become official today so we'll just give you a rundown starting with the point guards and we're going to start with uh, where Mike is in Orlando and DJ Augustin signing with the Magic. Yeah. How do you feel about that move? It's a little bit of offense for you. You complain about no offense, a lot of defense. Here's some offense. Yeah, I mean, honestly, DJ Augustin could be the starter uh, come week two of the season when Alfred Payton, you know, gets a haircut and they finally realize it's Alfred Payton. So, yeah, I mean, four years, 29 mil. Um Eh, I mean, it's a. I think the more than the money, the years, four years seems like a lot. But if this guy can do what he did last season, or maybe for at the University of Texas, who knows? Who who knows? Uh, your guy, Jeremy Lin, coming, not his home, but your home, coming to Brooklyn, three years, thirty six mil, with the final year uh, being a player option. You're pretty excited, right? Yeah, I'm very excited for Jeremy Lin coming to the Nets, not because I think he's going to deliver a championship, but because when I go to Brooklyn Nets game, I actually have someone to watch, you know, yeah, besides yeah. Isaiah Whitehead and maybe Brooke Lopez if he's not injured. He will be. But Jeremy Lin adds some excitement to that team. He did it for the Knicks, and hopefully he has still a little bit of Lindsay left for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, a good deal. I mean, very, uh, very team-friendly, and they did make a lot of moves. What about your boy Ish Smith? Yeah, it, Pistons. Ish Smith going to the Pistons yeah. just reassures backup duty for Reggie Jackson. I like the move because Ish Smith was that dude in Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia didn't have a lot of talent, but he, he proved to be a, a decent borderline starter slash backup. So the Pistons got a, got a good get there. Your boy, Mike Conley, yeah. resigned for a massive deal <laughs> with the Grizzlies. He got paid. I, I think, I think, massive. Massive. 153 mil yeah, last yeah. season. I told you. So it's it's that uh that's that Justin Timberlake power. He uh he got paid. Um he he should not have gotten that much money, but again, it, it is what it is. It's 2016, baby. Everybody's getting paid. Uh yeah, but I think good for good for the Grizzlies. They'll be a number 5 seed next year. They, they probably won't even be that. Mike Conley, wow. Like, seriously. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jared Bayless signs with the Sixers. He basically is going to become the replacement for Ish Smith. Yeah. Uh, he, he played well in Milwaukee. He, to me, he's a backup. But I guess the Sixers needed point guards, the floor generals to run the floor to run their offense. Uh, I guess the move's okay because he, he's a need. Obviously, he's at a position of need. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a guy. He's breathing. Um, what about what we talked about him briefly, Rondo? What about Rondo to the Bulls, two years and twenty-eight million? The money's not a lot, but is he a good fit? I think he's a good fit for Chicago because apparently Chicago didn't really like the idea of having Jose Calderon and Jerry and Grant from the Knicks at their point guard position. They sure. uh, they traded um, Jose Calderon. He was going to Brooklyn, but the Lakers swooped in and said, "Hey, Ooh. we need Jose Calderon," and the Lakers. Now have Jose Calderon. The Bulls were looking to dump his contract and make room for Wade. They also traded away Mike Dunleavy. He goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Finally, so Ron, finally, yeah. the Lakers have a point guard that they can rely on, like Magic Johnson. I'm so happy for the Lakers that they have a Magic oh, Johnson yeah. type player. I, I had a Facebook post yesterday, and I said the Lakers' new big three is Jose Calderon, Timothy Mozgov, and Luau Deng. Yikes. I'm like, er, you know? So bad. So, so bad. Oh, oh, oh. But I'm sorry, Rondo. I wanted Rondo to come to the Nets, 
something happened. There was mutual interest for some reason. It didn't happen. He goes to the Bulls. I think for the Bulls, it's a good get because it's better than what they had. And now they have like a, a little big three kind of uh, Rondo, Butler, and Wade. So it's a good get for, for the Bulls. Shaking up the world, Mo. One mediocre old player at a time. <laughs> um, what about what about Austin Rivers? Austin Rivers going back to play with Dad for three years and $35 yeah. million? What? Yeah. Yeah, Dad gave him a $35.7 million allowance Ooh. to stay with Clippers. Uh, that's a pretty cool allowance. I only got $10 when I was a kid, yep, but yep. Austin Rivers apparently does a lot better chores than I do. Must uh, he's a backup point guard there behind Chris Paul, so he stays with the Clippers. I say, meh, he's all right there. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. He'll play... Um... He'll he'll play eventually. I mean, when uh, Chris Paul leaves next year as a free agent and joins the yeah. team banana boat in uh, in Cleveland. No, he's going to either Miami or the Knicks. Uh, he's got go to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely. I could his definitely. boy Carmelo is in New York, so if it, if Westbrook doesn't come to New York, it's got to be Chris Paul. I like that. Be. I love I love it. Team banana boat in NYC. Um, what about Darren Williams um, and his receding hairline, staying in Dallas for one year and ten mil. He's bald now, by the way, but uh, yeah, he, he was signed back to the Mavs. The Mavs, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Mavs. They just they just don't do it. I know they're, you know, they're offering a max deal to Harrison Barnes who disappeared in, in the finals. But I just, I'm just so, I'm so lukewarm on the Mavs. To me, they're like the Grizzlies with a little more offense than Dirk Nowitzki. I'm just, okay, he, he goes back to the Mavs, fine. But uh, one pickup that I really like that's really underrated, Brandon Jennings, Coming to the Knicks, one year, five million. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the poor Photoshop jersey on him. That was pretty funny. But what's Terrible. not funny is that Phil Jackson gets this guy, and he averaged fifteen points and I believe six assists, five, five, six assists when he was a starter, and now he's a backup for Derrick Rose. If Derrick Rose struggles with injuries, I think Brandon Jennings has a good year. He he wanted to prove it on a one year deal, and I think he will. Yeah, I, I love the move for the Knicks. Uh, another fantastic move by the Orlando Magic to let him go and to replace him with <laughs> DJ Augustine. Just marvelous work, Rob Hennigan. You keep it up, baby. Every good move, you just you just keep. <laughs> signing those big uh those big blocking power forwards because clearly you, you now you're not worried about scoring you're more worried about defense i don't know i'm totally confused it's a little, it's a little bit of sarcasm there mike uh, that, yeah so. just just a lot just just a lot um <laughs> moving, moving on to shooting guards um we talked about bradley beal 128 million scottles to stay in washington for a team that won't make the playoffs what what are they doing uh, they're trying to keep their backcourt together because they think their backcourt is pretty good. I think they they envision their backcourt as would, comparable to Portland with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So they try they try to keep their backcourt together. It's not going to make a difference in the standings, but uh, at least Bradley Bill gets to feed his family with 128 million. True that. A lot of lot of lot of eating to be done. Um, Demar Derozan, who I am a fan of, you not so much. He stays. No. He stays home. He stays home, and he gets the max deal, one hundred and thirty-nine million dollars. Uh, yeah, that's that's cool for Demar Derozan. <laughs> I don't see what the big deal was for him anyway, because again, he's he's low efficiency. He's high usage, low efficiency. He he struggles to shoot. I think forty-three percent. He's below that. I mean. Yeah, he can score the shooting guard, plays very little defense, doesn't doesn't have any ball movement, no assists, no rebounds, no no, he's not a leader in the locker room. I don't vision see that's what Toronto's missing, is they don't have that leadership role. That's not Rosen and that's not Kyle Lowry, I don't think. And yeah, they're gonna be good, but I mean, yeah, I guess Rosen good for him yeah, but stays in Toronto. Are you surprised? Are you surprised that he actually stayed, or did you think he was going to the Lakers? I, I thought he 
thought he was going to Lakers, but he did say that he didn't want to step in Kobe Bryant's shoes. And I, I just said, he's just not that guy to lead a team. And I think he felt that if he went to Lakers, he would be the best player on that team, which he would be. Yeah, and the he's only just, player. He's just not built like that. As they would say in the streets, he's just not built like that. He's not about that life. Damn, homie, you used to be the man. Oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't the right time for that, but I just needed to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're still, you're still in my line. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. All right, my boy, the Australian wonder, I believe that's a cream you can buy at CVS, Matthew Delavadova to Milwaukee, another team that has no idea what is going on for four years and $38 million. What? Well, I'm glad they played, they paid Delavadova 38 mil for his finals performance last year, not even this year, because he was non-existent. But uh, good for him. He gets paid. He moves on. LeBron congratulated him, basically told him that they're not going to match his offer once he got the offer sheet. So uh, good for him in Milwaukee. But I'm going to I'm gonna dial it back. You missed the guy. I did. You missed my guy. Shout out to Greg, who cheers for the Lakers. Um, Jordan Clarkson, who apparently could be in a relationship with Kendall Jenner. I'm, I'm reading on the Huffington Post, but that's a whole other story. Aren't we all in a uh, relationship with Kendall yeah. Jenner? Yeah, he, he's staying with the Lakers, and I, I really like Clarkson. Oh, uh, I really like Kendall Jenner, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he could probably, I mean, I don't know. I, the whole Jenner family, I'm a little weary. I mean, what, what happened to Reggie Bush? A little? You know, what happened to, what happened to Lamar Odom? Lam- look what they did to Lamar Odom! <laughs> I'm not going there. I wasn't going to go there, but you know what? Uh, Clarkson, uh, cash your checks, but, you know... Continue to date, maybe not settle in on Kendall Jenner that quickly. Yeah, Think about yet. it a little bit, you know, because you still got D'Angelo Russell in the locker room. He might be on Snapchat. Be careful with that. All right, I'm gonna say this, and and I'm a total. I am totally secure in my masculinity for what I'm about to say. They had a picture okay. of these two people, Kendall Jenner and Jordan Clarkson, side by side. She's beautiful. He looks like an alien troll. I'm sorry, but he is not a good-looking man. What does she see besides money? Hey, I guess if you play for the Lakers, you're the starting shooting guard, and you you can you can get yourself a Jenner too if you play sports. All right, well, no to self. Jenner family, I'm just saying you guys have a pattern of dating athletes. I'm just saying. Yeah, not but, uh, not very good athletes either. Chris Humphreys. Hey, Harden's all right, you know. He just you know. Isn't that over? That's over. Sports, she's back with Lamar. I, I don't know who she's with. Listen, I can't keep up. <laughs> With her, who she's with. I don't know if she's with Lamar, she's with Harden, she's with, I don't know, whoever. Yeah, true she's, not, she's not with me, that's all I know. Yet. But uh, Kent Bazemore, who can play defense, re-signed with the Hawks, and I, I I, liked him on the Knicks, but he was obviously asking for too much money. Compared to the money that the Knicks paid Noah, which we'll get into with centers, they had no room for Bazemore, so apparently he said he liked Atlanta, he stays with the Hawks for four years, $70 million. And then there's old man Joe Johnson. He decided to go to Utah because skiing is lovely in the winter. He took a two-year, $22 million deal. So that whole thing about winning an NBA title, I guess, went out the window. Yeah, I don't... This is one of the signings that I didn't understand when I read it. I I, I turned my phone upside down. I shook it to make sure it was right. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why would you go to the... I, I don't see the point. Well, good for you, Joe Johnson. You were with Mo Money, Mo, Money, Mo Buckets. Now you're making 11 mil per year with the Jazz. Good for you. Uh, we're going to... I mean, we would talk about Antoine Moore signing with the Pelicans, but it doesn't really make a difference. <laughs> so we'll move on to um, Jamal Crawford. Returning to the Clippers, yeah. uh, at one point, Clippers lowballed him, and they upped their offer to keep him. I, 
he was a candidate to come to the Knicks and be their sixth man. It didn't happen. He returns to the Clippers off the bench with Austin Rivers and his allowance. Um, yes. Uh, what about Garrett Temple? Who is he, and why did Sacramento sign him? I just have to know. I'm sorry. Yeah, let me just give you a quick one. Yeah, Garrett please. Temple played with the Washington Wizards. I had him on my fantasy team one oh, year. He's boy. a decent backup, but I don't think he makes a difference on the Kings. The Kings said they are comfortable with Darren Collison, who's currently in, in the midst of a domestic violence situation. I don't know what the Kings are doing, but good good for them if it's a good move. Uh, Eric Gordon to the Rockets. Uh, Eric Gordon was another candidate to come to the Knicks to be their starting shooting guard. Didn't happen. He goes to the Rockets for four years, $53 million. Good for the Rockets if he can stay healthy. That's a big if. More like a probably not. Uh, what about Courtney Lee coming to the Garden? I shook my head a little bit because it was four years and $48 million. You shook your head a little bit? Yeah. I slammed my head to it because <laughs> I am not really a Courtney Lee fan. No. I watched when, – when the Grizzlies were really good, I watched a lot of Grizzlies games. I know it's odd being in New York City, but I watched a lot of Memphis Grizzlies games. And he – most games, you won't even realize he's on the court. Nope. He stood in the corner and just shot threes from the corner once in a while on every, every like, 50th possession. So, yeah, okay, they signed him. He's durable, and I think that's why they needed him because of Rose's injuries, his injury history. They got a guy who's going to play shooting guard who's going to at least be on the court, even though you won't notice him. He is not a 3 and D player people people are saying oh yeah he's the three and d player he's not a defensive presence on the court i looked up his stats on nba.com and the shooters they shoot about average against courtney lee so stop it with a three and d label he's not a three and d player hey you know who drafted courtney lee back way back when i think it was 2009 the orlando magic and rob hennigan (laughs) (laughs) yep so right then and there i would have said no thank you next Aaron Aflalo. Aaron Aflalo. Aflalo. Yeah, come on, bro. It's Aflalo Affleck. Yeah, whatever his name is. Uh, signed with the Kings for two years, $25 million. Again, I don't really care what the Kings do at this point because none of it makes sense. But, okay, if it, if it works out for them, fine. True. Uh, the Kings actually rescinded Seth Curry's uh, qualifying offer, I believe, and he signed with the Mavericks for two years, $6 million. He could be Steph Curry number two. Could he be Chef Curry with the Mavs? Is, are we witnessing a rebirth for Seth Curry? Uh, possibly. He's actually bigger than his his brother. He actually played at a, a college that people know of uh, in Duke. So I wish him the best because there's just not enough good fortune that goes on in that Curry family. Um, what about what about Gerald Henderson? Oh, another Dukey actually goes to Philly, two years, eighteen million. Does it even matter? No, it doesn't. Oh, matter. Okay, cool. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. The next, the, the the big one is small forwards, and every time I noted a small forward signing, I said. Wow, there's a lot of really good small forwards in the NBA. Um, we're not going to start with Durant. We're going to start with Nick Batum, who uh, would you call him a 3 and D guy, Mo? Because he got five years and 120, 120 mil to stay in Charlotte. He's more of a 3 and D guy than Courtney Lee, I'll say that. I'm um, more of a 3 and D guy than Courtney Lee, but that's regards of, you know. I like Nick Batum. Uh, I watched him play when he played the Nets. He had a good game, a good get for the Hornets. They don't, they don't have a superstar level player they do have Kemba Walker they have a bunch of B plus players yeah. and I, you have them in the playoffs I, I have them possibly missing because they don't have really? me they don't have Al Jefferson I, I don't see this team making the playoffs no, I'm sorry no love for Charlotte alright moving on who's the next guy Mo I, I don't know I, I don't know his name 
I would talk about Darrell Offer signing with the Nuggets, but it really doesn't matter. So yeah. we'll move on to Jeff Green signing with the Orlando Magic. Do you oh, like it? Oh my God! Really? Really, Rob Hennigan, you just do these things, I think, to make me upset. $15 million for Jeff Green? I think he averaged seven points a game last year. What? Are we still like? Are we still hoping Jeff Green turns into the player that he was at Georgetown for like half a season? Are you serious? That's, that's, what, I was, that's what I was pretty much going to say. They're banking on him becoming the player that he's supposed to become when they drafted him, I think, four or five. Uh, yeah, Seattle. a long time ago. And this is, you know, not for nothing. This is a guy with a heart condition and and, you know, God forbid we want him to stay healthy forever and ever. But I know it's a one-year deal. But $15 million for a guy that's a subpar bench player, you could have given that money to a lot of other places, you know, like, you know, re-signing your point guard that you traded for from Detroit that you gave up Tobias Harris for. Good job. Good job. Uh, on to a player who will start for the Atlanta Magic. Evan, do not Google me. Fournier signs five years, $85 million with yeah. player option. I like the move. I like Evan Fournier. I don't think you do. But no, I really no. Like- I like Fournier. I just think the Magic had to re-sign him. They couldn't. The Magic are, are, are running scared right now. They're making moves to just make moves, uh, either whether they're going to pan out for the long run. It's a lot of money, uh, although here in Orlando, the papers think it's a team-friendly deal. I'm not sure how $85 million is a team-friendly deal, uh, especially when the final year is a player option. But, yeah, he's a scorer. And like I said, they went out and got Biombo. Um, they went out and got Ibaka. Vukovic now may come off the bench. So Alfred Payton doesn't score, and you traded Oladipo. Uh, Hazonia doesn't score a lot yet. So, yeah, Fournier's your only guy that's going to score on the starting five. So I'm going to pick him up on my fantasy yeah, team in that should. round. But, uh, you really should. On to the other Evan. Evan Turner, my boy, oh, signed boy. with the Blazers. I wasn't too happy with that, but uh, he signs there, and I think they have a, a good three, a good one, two, three spot. They got McCollum. Lillard, now Evan Turning signs there. Pretty good deal. By far, it was my favorite signing of the uh, free agency period just because I got to tell you that he was going to Portland and not to New York. So, so so happy for me. What about Chandler Parsons? Your boy. My boy, who lives in the area I live in, not going to uh, Houston, back to Houston, not going back to Detroit. He made his rounds in, uh, in Texas. He goes to the Grizzlies for four years. It was a max deal. Um, not a long-term deal, a lot of money for a guy with an iffy knee, uh, who doesn't play any defense, but he can shoot, right? Yeah, uh, and the Grizzlies desperately need a score, and they've been rotating people in and out to see who can fill that role. Courtney Lee couldn't fill it, Jeff Green couldn't fill it, now they're hoping Parsons, as you said, at least he can shoot, and that's what they need, so it's, it's a good fit. Yeah, I like it. Now, moving on to a probably the best small forward in this group, Solomon Hill, because everyone what? knows who Solomon Hill is. What? Is that Grant, Hitt, is that Grant Hitt's, Hill's cousin? Because I never heard of him. Yeah, probably not. No. Maybe Laura knows, because he came from the Indiana Pacers. Laura. But then, Laura, I, that's not a shot at Laura. She knows her people. She no, knows, the, you know, the guys down to the bench. So I'm sure she knows a lot about Solomon Hill. Maybe not. Nope. But he signs with the Pelicans for 48 mil for four seasons. I don't see why the deal was made. He's a marginal player at best. I think he averages four points, three rebounds, and that's 48 mil. I can make a good 20, <laughs> man, if I played. Yeah, but, uh, just, Laura, should, Laura should just be happy that he went to the Pelicans. And moving on, another guy, Jared Dudley, for three years, going back to Phoenix, 30 mil. Phoenix is nice. Yeah, I, it's probably the only team that would pay him. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to move on. Luau Deng to the Lakers. He's part of that big three in L.A. Shout out to L.A. Mitch Kupchak putting that together. Luau Deng, four years, $72 million. 
Uh, Lakers, I don't know what they're doing, but uh, <laughs> the veteran presence. NBA and Finals, baby. 2023, they will be there. Yeah, that, this would have been a good move maybe five, six years ago, but I don't know about right now. Um, Kent Bazemore goes back to uh, the Hawks. You said it earlier. Four years, $70 million. A lot of money for a defensive specialist. I mean, that's that's fine for the Hawks. Again, like I said, he he wanted to go back to Atlanta, so that's fine. Wesley Johnson resigning with the Clippers. No one cares. No. Marvin Williams resigning with the Hornets. I think I called this, but I'm looking at it four years, fifty four point five million. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, a lot of money, too much money. Uh, what about uh Lance Thomas coming back to the Knicks? Former Dukey, uh, four years, twenty seven mil. Is it is it at least a good move for the bench? Yeah, the Knicks need to foul their bench. They got Jennings, Lance Thomas now. Those are going to be the two main guys off the bench. He he was actually in favor of taking the hometown discount. He is from Brooklyn. And the Knicks pretty much need him. He's pretty solid, and he's been developing his three-point shot, which is a good thing in the triangle offense where he'll have open looks at the basket. Yeah, I like him. I think I think it's not a, not a huge investment in a guy that will come in, hell, uh, you know, come in handy when Carmelo needs to uh, take a breather. Uh, the last two, Harrison Barnes talked about him briefly. Four years, $94 million for a guy that disappears. And again, he's a Tar Heel. I love him. Got his jersey. Uh, but that uh, it's a questionable move. Uh, was he was he the right move to replace Chandler Parsons? Oh, uh, the right move to replace Chandler Parsons because he gives you a little bit more on the defensive end, but it's just not the ideal contract for a guy who disappeared. Yeah, how bit on a good team? Maybe he blooms on the Mavs as as a, as the new uh, number two guy behind Nowitzki, but. Who knows? I, again, I'm just not thrilled with the with the Mavs moves. They struggle with getting big name for agents, and this is the biggest name they could pull in. Good for Harrison Barnes, cash those checks because you know he had to move with Kevin Durant coming in. Absolutely. All right, power forwards. Um, let's start with uh, <laughs> Mirza Teletkovic. Three. <laughs> I just, the only reason I'm saying him is because it's another guy the Bucks signed that nobody knows of. He got. $30 million for three years. He played in Phoenix last year. What? Who is in charge over there? And if, if it's, if Jason Kidd has any say, what is he doing? It's probably a sock puppet or some sort <laughs> that's in charge in, in Milwaukee because I don't know what they're doing. But we're going to move on to Andrew Nicholson. Oh, boy. Who you're probably familiar with off the Atlanta Magic bench, signing with the Wizards, four years, 26 mil. Good for the Wizards. Anthony Tolliver signs to the Kings, two years, 16 mil. No one cares. Nope. Ryan Anderson, though, signs with the Rockets, four years, 80 mil. I, I like the move for the Rockets. They get their stretch four. Terrence Jones has been injured a lot. He had a nerve issue, I believe, couple years ago so they needed to stretch four out there in houston yeah does, does he really think he's gonna get to touch the ball though because james harden still plays there for you know as much as i still understand so um yeah good luck with that getting your three or four shots tonight yeah well i mean d'antoni's out there in the seven seconds or less offense if he implements that i think ryan anderson gets a decent amount of shots but you just gotta have to whisper to harden hey pa- pass the ball to me in the wing i got an open shot but anyway <laughs> uh trevor booker Signed with the Nets, two years, $18 million, came from Utah. Decent backup player, meh. meh. John Lucas signed with the Pistons, four years, $42 million. Meh. meh. <laughs> On the stall, signing with the Spurs. This is big because the Spurs get another guy who's two years away from the senior center. Yep. Um, the Riverwalk. Good move Spurs. The, yeah, I mean, it is. It's a typical Spurs move. Not surprised. Uh, Ginobili did announce today he's coming back for his 35th year in the NBA. Uh, it looks like Tim Duncan is going to ride into the sunset on his Razor scooter. 
uh yeah that's that that team i don't know that's a weird team they'll be fine they'll probably be the three seed or you know win the whole thing next year because that's what they do uh what about the german Dirk navitsky re-signing finally getting paid for his loyalty for years and years of service two years 40 million player option in the second he's 38 you know, Pat Riley would have said see ya, but since he's not running the Mavs, Dr. Vincent got paid his 20 mil per year. Good for him. I knew he was going to wind up back in Dallas. Why would he leave? True. That team would be middle of the road like Memphis again or the bottom of the Western you know, Conference. You know what? Before we, get to the, before we get to the centers, I really think that the East could produce better teams next season. Am I crazy? I think I said that. No, yeah. I said that. The East is going to be a lot more interesting and competitive than the Western Conference next year. All right, I love it because, I, I mean, it's long enough that we've been, you know, everybody's been on the Western bandwagon. But just looking at these signings, I am totally confused. Not not that everyone in the East has been amazing, uh, but wow. Uh, let's start with Hassan Whiteside, the man that pushed Dwayne Wade out the door, if you ask the people of Miami. Uh, four years, $98 million. He was actually uh, not asked to take a cut for Dwayne Wade, according to Miami Herald, although he was willing to take a, a huge dip in salary if Miami was able to swing Kevin Durant, which obviously that did not happen. Do you think that this is uh, wise for a guy that played six years uh, overseas and with seven different teams? Well, he blossomed. I mean, again, the guy gets triple doubles with blocks. No one else does that. And the Heat are going to pay for that. And they still have room for one, two more max deal players next year. So it's not really hurting them right now. Yeah. They get somebody that fans will come to watch because, as you know, no Dwayne Wade. There's Goran Dragic still there, Justin, Justice Winslow. So apparently it's it's white side's team right now. If you're going to pay for a guy, at least pay for a guy who can protect the rim, score a little bit of points, grab some Grabs rebounds, get you a triple double. Fair enough. Uh, Andre Dalman Drummond going back to uh, going back to uh, the the because why? Where else would he go? Uh, max deal, five years between one hundred twenty five and one hundred thirty mil. It's a lot of money, but uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I said this last episode. He's going to be a centerpiece in Detroit for a while. Detroit could be a sneaky team. I had them placing eighth again, only because the other Eastern Conference teams I think got better. But they're going to be in the thick of things. They can be anywhere from four to eight. We'll see. Timothy Mazga. When the Lakers, when free agency kicked off, he was the first guy to sign with the Lakers to start off the big three. Mazga coming off the bench, peeling his jersey off the bench to play in L.A. in the Staples Center. Four years, $64 million. I like the move for the Lakers because... Uh, you can't get any worse than Roy Hibbert, right? <laughs> no, you can. Mozgov for $64 million. That's 64 million reasons. I When I saw this, I cringed because I know so many good people in L.A. that are Lakers fans, and this was the first signing of the Lakers, and it just set the tone for the entire free agency period for the Lakers because the best signing they had was the wall dang. Oh, my goodness. What is Jeannie Buss and company doing with that team? Uh, basically running it into the ground, making yeah. it a laughing stock, probably the worst team in next year's season, and burying them for the next five years. Seems about right. All right, uh, moving on to Dwight Howard, going home to Hotlanta. Hotlanta. He got a, he got a pretty nice deal for th- only three years actually, and kind of surprised that it is for seventy and a half million. I I think he makes a difference. I don't know about you. I like him coming home. I think he's, he'll be good for the Hawks. He gets to kind of start a new at home. Dennis Short will be the point guard. They still have a decent team. They're, again, they're another one of those teams that could be anywhere from three to eight, depending on how things gel with Howard there. 
and Al Horford out. So we'll see how it goes. I like the move for Dwight Howard and the Hawks. All right. Uh, next up is the guy you alluded to earlier, going to Laura's team in uh, Indiana. He got Al Jefferson, three years, 30 mil. That seems like a pretty sweet uh, deal for Indiana. Yeah, it is a sweet deal. They'll have him and uh, Miles Turner in the front court. Laura's got to like that. As I said, Indiana's number two seed in the Eastern Conference. They have a lot of players who want to join. There were rumors that Rudy Gay would come to Indiana in the trade from the Sacramento Kings because why Why wouldn't you not want to flee from Sacramento, who's a dumpster fire right now? Why would you not want to go to number two team in the Eastern Conference? Good for the Pacers. Good sign for Al Jefferson. All right. Uh I'm sorry, I just laughed to myself. I was, I was. Let's go right to. Let's go to Noah. No, I wasn't laughing at Noah. I was laughing at uh, a guy right after Noah. Uh, Knicks, four years, seventy-two million. Uh, it's funny because you know we know a lot of Knicks fans. We speak to a lot of Knicks fans. Uh, the Knicks fans hated him when he was in Chicago. They called him a troll. They called him every name under the sun. And now we love him. Uh, we want. We cannot wait for his head of hair, his mane, to be uh, to be flopping around in the garden. But is it a gamble, Mo? Is it a gamble that a 31-year-old guy is going to got a guaranteed deal for the next four years? There's many layers to this Noah deal. I like Noah to the Knicks because he adds leadership. As you said, he is a troll. Mm. And he adds character to that team. Yeah. But I don't like the fully guaranteed deal of four years. He's going to be 35 when this is over. So that means for better or for worse, he's going to be in a Knicks uniform. And it will probably end with him on the bench. So the first two years are going to be pretty good with him. And then those last two years are going to be disastrous because he's, he's going to be injured probably. He's going to play minimal minutes, 20 to 25 minutes. Why would you fully guarantee a four-year deal with him? Again, I, I, I'm lukewarm on it. I half like it, half don't like it. But for the first two years, it'll be fun having it. True. Um, what about the guy who used to play for the uh, the next Cole Aldrich, getting a three-year, $22 million deal from uh, your favorite new team, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, I'll say, what about him? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, he, uh, he's signing with the Wolves. He gets paid his money. That, that's cool. What do, you, do you feel the same about Ian Mahinemi from the uh, Wizards getting four years and $64 million? Well, I'm sure Laura does because she's probably thinking, she probably knows who he is, but Probably not that big of a deal. He was points and rebounds, had a little bit of defense around the rim. He said he wanted to return to Indiana, but apparently Indiana signed Al Jefferson, who's an upgrade over him. So he goes to the Wizards and gets paid for a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, We talked about Horford. We'll we'll skip over him. Um, I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. You're you're kind of in a full scope of what what you feel about. But Tumbo (laughs) Biombo signing with the Magic for years, 72 big ones. How do you feel about that? I was shocked. Shocked when it came up on my phone. Dismayed when it finally set in and horrified when I look at $72 million. For a guy who had a good playoff round. uh, James. Drawing James 2.0. Yep, yeah. Uh, you didn't need a center if you're the Magic. We already said you got Vukovic, uh, one of the better centers. I know he doesn't play defense, but you need some scoring on that team. You just got Serge Ibaka. So, oh my goodness, I I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. Uh, a guy that could be a guy. The next guy is Roy Hibbert. That could be. Biombo could be Roy Hibbert. Let's just put it that way. He went. He goes to the Hornets for five million. It doesn't matter. Now the next name is one. It's the last name we'll talk about right now. This is a guy that is drawing drawing ire all over the NBA, and people are up in arms. Zaja Zaza Pachulia got a one-year, two-point-nine million-dollar deal from Golden State. They traded Bogut. 
They're not going to re-sign Azili, it looks like. So Zaza Pachulia becomes your starting center, a good center, a very serviceable center for $2.9 million. You're going to tell me that that's legit? Something isn't underhandedly going on? Because uh, according to what I just said with Ian Mahini and, uh, and Bismarck Biyombo, Pachulia was worth at least 40 mil. Yeah, but Pachulia apparently wants to win rings, so he's willing to take the pay cut to go to Golden State and be their center for about 20 minutes a game. I'm not mad at Pachulia. No. 2.9 mil, 2. mil ain't that bad if you're on a, a championship-bound team in the Western Conference. All right, well, that is it. Uh, Mo, wait, wait, wait is that it? Not it? No? Because you okay. mentioned Festus Azili, and uh, being the good reporter that I am, yes. I, got a, I got a beat from Bleacher Report, and he is signing... With the Portland Trailblazers, joining Evan Turner over there. He's going to sign there. Apparently, he was going to get paid, and Golden State just wouldn't have enough to pay him because they have their super team. So he signs with the Portland Trailblazers, gets paid, and uh, my phone is stuttering right now, so I can't tell you how much he's going to get paid, but I know it's more than what he would have got at Golden State. Yeah, very true. Portland may be putting together a nice team around their uh, very talented young backcourt. All right, well, we're going to come back with building momentum and we're going to talk baseball. Stay tuned. It's now time for building momentum. There, there's one thing that me and Mike both agree on, and we don't like the voting system with MLB and even the NBA where fans get to vote. Uh, Mike has a, a huge problem. He's at, he's probably steaming right now, but I always said with the NBA, I, the fan voting just destroys the All-Star game because they're just going to vote for the most popular player. Kobe went, and obviously Kobe was like the 100th best player last year. With MLB, there's more at stake because the winning team gets home field in the World Series. So Mike is seeming about that probably because he's hoping his Yankees make it. And if the NL wins with the Cubs, with their five All-Stars on the field, who Mike feels two of them don't belong, but he'll tell you about that now. Here's my problem with the way the Major League Baseball does things for the All-Star game. It is a, it's essentially an exhibition game. Okay, I get that. But you put such a huge bonus on to the winner and give them home field advantage in the World Series, which means you get four games at home as opposed to three if it goes seven games. But you let fans vote who mostly don't really know much about what the heck they're doing besides their own team, and that's fine. So you can't have it both ways. If you want the fans to vote, um, it's fine. All for it. Great. Lovely. But it can't be such an important outcome that results in it. It has to be just an exhibition game. Otherwise, if you want to keep it meaning something, because baseball had a lot of problems with people not caring about the game when it was just an exhibition game, and that one year way back when when the All-Star game was in Milwaukee and the game went something like 17 innings and actually ended in a tie because both teams ran out of pitchers, that was a travesty, uh, you have to allow the players and the managers and coaches to be the ones who pick the teams. Take it away from the fans. And I'm saying that with all due respect to the fans, uh, it just it's too big a deal to lay in your hands. Why should the fans pick the starting nine, or starting eight, I should say, minus the pitcher? Why should they have the power of picking the starting players who usually play the most amount of innings in an All-Star game, anywhere from three to four, sometimes five, if you're a starting position player? Pitchers, obviously, your starter's only going to go two. Everybody else is going to get one. I just don't understand. You can't have you can't have it both ways. And to show you that the fans really don't know what they're doing, you have five Cubs. Um, okay, you want to you want to talk about the first problem I have is Dexter Fowler, who 
you know, got a nice on-base percentage in the 800s. Hasn't played in, a, I don't know, a month with an injury. He's been on the DL. Still an all-star. Shouldn't be. Uh, you voted in, and I'm all for Ben Zobris. He's a fine utility guy. He plays every position known to man. That's great. That's really, that is needed on an all-star team. But Ben Zobris should not be starting over Daniel Murphy. Ben Zobris is batting 291. He's got 12 homers and 44 RBIs. Fine numbers. Really, really good. Former Met Daniel Murphy... Mo, former Met Daniel Mo, former Met Daniel Murphy, batting 345, 14 homers and 56 RBIs. Uh, I just gonna let the stats speak for themselves. Then you move over to shortstop, Addison Russell, another fine young player, really good with the glove. He's batting 242. That's terrible. 11 homers and 49 RBIs. To compare this for you guys, A Rod, who no longer seems to play for the Yankees, is batting 240. Not an all-star. Uh, but then you've got Corey Sager, who should, for all intents and purposes, be named the National League Rookie of the Year as of today. Not only is he in the Home Run Derby, uh, representing L.A. in his National League, but Corey Sager's batting 303 with 17 home runs and 41 RBIs. 303 compared to 242. Uh, I'm sorry. The numbers speak for themselves. The fans just do not know what they're doing. And now let's move to the American League. You've got Chris Davis, the slugger of the Baltimore Orioles, has 21 homers. 21 homers. We're not even at the All-Star break. And 56 RBIs. Not starting. George Springer, another young stud in Houston, has an 841 on-base plus slugging. 19 homers and 50 RBIs with 61 runs scored. He's not even on the roster. He has to get in according to the fan vote. Oh, oh, great. I feel really, really sure that George is going to get in. And as of right now, Michael Saunders actually leads the fan vote. Michael Saunders, really nice player this year. Uh, he struggled for many, many years in Seattle. Now that he's in his native Canada, he's batting around 300. He's got 13 homers. That's fine. But George Springer still may not make the team to a guy uh, like Michael Saunders. Come on, what 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 are we doing? You cannot have it both ways. And if and if Boston Red Sox fans have anything to say about it, they'll be letting uh, their second baseman also also get in uh, with the fan vote if they can get the votes up within the next few days. Uh, but again, Dustin Pedroia does not deserve to be an All Star. Neither does Ian Kinsler. Uh, so it's hard to say. If there's anybody as far as the uh, the National League fan vote is concerned that should be in, it should be Arizona's Jake Lamb. 293, 20 home runs, and 61 RBIs. But as of today, the fan vote lead is Brandon Belt. Okay, Brandon Belt's batting around 300. Uh, he's got over 10 home runs, but it's he's not he's not Jake Lamb. So you, you didn't let the fans didn't get it right the first time with the starting team. Now they're not going to get it right again with the Fan vote, what's the point? Uh, it, for all you people who voted for these players and disagree with Mike, you could send your fan <laughs> mail at uh, the Mike and Mo Show, directed at Mike, yeah, attention please. Mike, because Mo d- doesn't have a problem with this. Really? You really? You're okay with it? You're so okay? You can send your emails over there. All right, that's fine. You know what? Th- thank you, Mo. I have no spine, Moten. You know what? Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. It sounds like he's got a lot of Cubs hate. I don't know. No, 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 no Cubs hate because Chris Bryant deserves it wholeheartedly. He should be the 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 he should be there. He should be the third baseman. Anthony Rizzo, 
he should be there, but he should not be starting at first base. No, uh, Zobrist should be there as well, should not be starting. Addison Russell should be watching it at home, sitting next to Dexter Fowler. And this is before, uh, will Arietta get in? Will, will he be brought on? Will Will John Lester be brought? I, I don't know. It's possible. You know, it, it's very possible. I just, I don't understand. You've got 33 men on a roster. Every team in Major League Baseball, and this is different than any other sport, has to have one representative from every team. I understand that. So if that's the case, then there should be a cap on how many players can actually represent per team. Keep it fair. So if you want to have four, fine. You want to have three, better. But five, six, seven, eight. I think last year it was almost like nine or ten Royals because they went to the Series of World the year before and their fans stacked the ballot box. Uh, again, baseball, make up your mind. What do you want? Exhibition, a meaningful game. You, you cannot have it both ways because every year until the end of time, we're going to have this discussion that people just think it's not fair. Flat out. Well, in all fairness, most of the sports, or I should say all of the four American sports, struggle with making their all-star game relevant. Yeah. The NBA has tweaked things. The NFL tweaking things. Baseball added added serious consequence to the outcome of it but again if they're going to do that i think i agree with you they should tweak it a little bit so that the teams are i guess better evenly matched or you get the best of the best on the field because the fans you know they're going to go with who they like not necessarily the best players but who they like absolutely it's all all i'm asking for mo i mean i'm not asking to be commissioner yet i'm just asking to have it fair that's it speaking of unfair some bad news out of new york mets camp today we know yesterday the mets placed Matt Harvey and, and Moe's Mo's teary eyes lit up the computer screen as we talked across Skype. And he, he, saw, he sobbed on my shoulder, and I said, Mo, it'll be all right. And he said, no, Mike, he's got to have thoracic, he's gonna have thoracic <laughs> outlet surgery. And I said, Mo, he's not going to have thoracic outlet surgery. And he said, Mike, he's going to have thoracic. Mo, he's going to have thoracic outlet surgery. I'm sorry, my man. Look, it's not... It's not set in stone, but it doesn't look good. He did. He is being diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, which basically means that not enough blood gets to his fingers. Uh, well, it doesn't take a doctor to tell you that's not a good thing. Uh, this is the same type of injury that uh, Phil Hughes had a couple years ago, and he was sidelined for the entire season. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this is really unfortunate. It's been one bad thing after the other for for Matt Harvey this season. Started with that bladder infection in spring, dead arm situation. Um, you know, I feel for the guy. Uh, you know, he had a great year last year, but he was severely overused. He pitched 216 innings the year after he came back from Tommy John. You just can't do that, and that falls on Mets management. That's Terry Collins. That's this organization not. Not really being concerned about a guy's welfare and not being concerned about the future. Steven Strasburg went through the same thing with the Nationals in the year that they went to the playoffs. They shut him down. And look at Strasburg now. Got a huge contract. He's an all-star. That's the way it needed to be done. But for whatever reason, the Mets thought it was more important to win the title. And I get that to a certain extent. Uh, But now you look at the team and you've got Steven Matz who's dealing with elbow, uh, a a bone spur. Syndergaard dealing with the same exact thing. uh, Wheeler who hasn't pitched at all this year, still coming back from Tommy John. He's now being pushed back possibly to August. The, the, the strength of this Mets team is the pitching staff, and all of a sudden, it's not. That's not a good thing. Yeah, first of all, you know Mike's story is phony because I couldn't even say thoracic <laughs> before this show started, so you know I'm not crying on another man's shoulder about right. the Mets. But sure. I will say this. It doesn't look good, yeah. uh, as you said, but there is some bright news. 
I believe it was Terry Collins mentioned that Chris Young had the same thing, and he came back, had a good year with Seattle. As you mentioned, uh, Harvey's got to make a decision. If he does have the surgery, it's, I believe, a four-month recovery. So basically his season will be over. Or he could try to pitch with it with an injection, and we'll see how that works out. He may not be at his best. He's already at, a, I believe, a 4. Eight, let's six. see, 4.86 ERA. Yeah. So Not good. Uh, I would say just, you know, hey, shut it down. Come back next year. Hopefully you have a good year. You pull a Chris Young, and everything's all good. But as for now, for the Mets, it's just a lot of bad. As you said, bone spurs for Syndergaard and Stephen Mets. Now you have this. David Wright's out. Uh, I'm not going to say gloom and doom, but I'm going to say uh, a little, little work. One bright spot I will say for the Mets, though, is Jose Reyes is actually, now he's with the team. He's played the past couple days, and he looks really good. I'm, look, I'm surprised. Uh, I didn't expect him to, to pick up where he kind of left off. Uh, but he, he, what, what was that? Yeah. Did you see the front page when he came yeah, back? Yeah, that's, said, that's not right. right. That yeah. was rough. That's a little, that's a little insensitive on, you know, the New York tabloids, but, you know, that's what we come to expect. Uh, look, the fans cheered him, and his first hit bat, it was at home. He's playing a little bit of third. He played short last night because his Drupal Cabrera was out. Uh, he's back in third tonight. Hit a home run today. Had two doubles yesterday. The Mets needed a leadoff hitter. I've been saying this since last year granderson not a leadoff hitter so they got themselves a leadoff hitter. he's 33 who knows how much he's got left in the tank but at least the mets have one bright spot in an otherwise you know uh, cycle of negative news that that really has hindered the team so but again it's early ish we're getting to the midway mark let's hope let's hope that the mets have uh have the you know the wherewithal to make some moves if not bye-bye terry collins uh, yeah, unfortunately, it could be. But uh, let's talk about a player who could be chasing titles. Maybe. Possibly. Carlos Gonzalez, once out of Colorado. Am, am I hearing that right? Are people, you know, attempting to burn his jersey if he leaves, Mike? Uh, no, because most people probably don't know who Carlos Gonzalez is. But this is a, he's a really good player. And he's, uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries over the past, you know, a few seasons. But not last year. Uh, last year was one of the first seasons he actually played uh, almost the entire season. Uh, I believe he had 41 home runs. This year he's got three, uh, 319 batting average, 18 homers, and 51 ribbies. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, this, this story came out this afternoon that he asked for a trade. Well, he came back before game time tonight around 7 and said, I didn't ask for a trade. Well, somebody said that he wants a trade. And regardless, you're the Colorado Rockies. They've got some nice pieces. Trevor Story, uh, 19 home runs. He's a rookie shortstop. Uh, Charlie Blackman. But actually, Charlie Blackman also possibly on the trade deadline. Look, this is a team that got rid of Troy Tulowitzki, who was their, their centerpiece last year. They need to rebuild. Uh, they're in a tough division. They've got the Dodgers to jump over. They've got, uh, well, Arizona is probably just as bad. But they've also got the Giants, who it seems like nobody's beating the Giants because it is an even year, which means they're going to win the title. Uh, and they're also now the, they have the best record in all of baseball, surpassing the Cubs last night. But as far as Gonzalez is concerned, um, I like him. I mean, he's a left-handed power hitter, plays a good outfield. He has lost some speed over the past couple of years because of those lower body injuries. But uh, yeah, if he goes to the right team, uh, for some reason, I just see him in St. Louis. Um, I, again, we talked about this is what St. Louis does. They make smart moves. I don't see Colorado trading him in the division. Uh, like the Giants and the Dodgers could definitely use him, but I don't see that. Maybe maybe somebody like Boston comes out of the woodwork. This guy will have plenty of suitors, and Colorado can have a king's ransom for him because he can make a difference. And again, he's only owed 17 mil this year and 20 mil next year. And, you know, when you compare that to the NBA world, uh, that's nothing. So, you know, he's, he's controlled for two more years. And, uh, you know, regardless of what people think that, oh, he only hits because it's Colorado, uh, 
mean, you know, I guess maybe you can have some truth to that because he did bat 250 on the road last year. Uh, but again, you're going to hit a home run. It doesn't matter if it's 400 feet or, you know, 388. If it goes out of the park, it's out of the park. But hey, who knows? Maybe the Mets make a move. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Somebody should make a move because this guy's dying in Colorado. I'm surprised you didn't bring up, you know who bringing in. I'm surprised. I'm who, shocked. Who, who are you talking about? My, 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 my favorite team? Yes. No, 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 no. We Look, I like them, but the Yankees are Yankees are all kinds of confused right now. Uh, I, I wrote an article today that I compared them to um, Hamlet's favorite, uh, famous soliloquy, to be or not to be, because they don't know what they want to do. Uh, it's, a, it's a really weird situation. They've got all... Older players mixed with inexperienced guys. Nobody, nobody wants to rebuild, but they really should. Uh, they can't get above five hundred. It's it's a it's a it's a bad time right now in the Bronx. And um, yeah, just adding a guy like Gonzalez who would help, but the things that you have to give up for him, like in like maybe an Aaron Judge who could be the next coming of Giancarlo Stanton or Gary Sanchez or any number of the Yankees prospects, it just doesn't doesn't make sense in the long term uh, deal. But it, a good team, a team that is ready to contend, a la the Washington Nationals, uh, a la the Chicago Cubs. Uh, if they could acquire a guy like this and plug him in, uh, it would go a long way. You see how I lured you into talking about the Yankees? It's like putting you on the sofa and letting <laughs> letting it all out, Mike. Just, let's just talk about like therapy, and, and yeah. you're able to let it out. So now you won't be angry. They did win today. They beat the Cleveland Indians. So wow. there's that. There the Mets are that. about to beat the Washington Nationals any minute now. Okay. But uh, yeah, I got you to talk about it, and you let it off your chest, which is a good thing. I thank you. I feel I feel better that we're still under 500 and still don't know what we're doing as a team. But hey, a win's a win. So uh, cheers to that, Mo. Cheers to that. Well, that is it for this segment where we talked about baseball, and I let about let out a little bit of tears. But regardless. We'll be right back, and Mo is going to get real deep on you, so stay tuned. The Wrap-Up. All right, and I'm going to take the time to throw it to Maurice Moten. Mo, take it away. Well, we uh, talked about sports. We ran through the whole gamut. A lot of the big sports heads are out on vacation, but I would be remiss if I didn't speak about what's going on in the news today. Uh, there were two shootings, two black men, Alton Sterling, Philando Castillo, uh, two guys who I felt were unjustly killed. I know there are different uh, versions of the story of what happened. We don't have all the details, so I caution people about saying... Well, this and this happened because we don't have everything that happened. Uh, Philando Castillo's girlfriend, fiance, with his child in the car, recorded the incident, but it, we didn't see what happened before the officer drew his gun. What we do know is we see a guy slain in the front seat with the officer pointing his gun at the guy and his fiance, which I think is horrible because at this point, the guy is shot. What is he going to do? And the woman is is obviously scared out of her mind because you have a firearm drawn at her. What is she going to do? But uh, we're going to go through some of the things here, and there's a lot being recycled. Obviously, this is, this is a tragedy. Obviously, it shouldn't happen. Obviously, not all cops are bad. No, all blacks are bad. Yada, yada, yada. We need cop training, malpractice, blah, 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 whatever. But what we need to get into is a solution. And a lot of people on TV, I've watched a lot of people speak from... and. 
NAACP people to Black Lives Matter, and no one really has a solution to fix this problem or address it with the police. And there are marches going on, there are protests going on, which is great. But it's it's more about what can we do now, and how does this tie into sports? And really quick, I'll say this, and Mike alluded to it earlier, where sports fans, we we tend to like our own. Okay, until until a certain player becomes our own, that player we can't stand up. We'll we'll even once we take in the player, we'll even overlook the faults, the shortcomings of a player. Derrick Rose comes to New York, all of a sudden he's the greatest thing ever. But if he was still in the Bulls, oh he's always oh, injured, oh he's this, oh he's that. It's the same thing in our world today. There are parallels. Now, if you look at NYPD, they know a couple of their fellow cops aren't good cops. But they wear the same uniform. They're in blue, so they turn a blind eye. That is the problem. I'm not saying all cops are bad. I have family members who are police officers who served all over the country. But when you have an injustice and you're not willing to speak out about it, that is a problem. Again, I'm not labeling all cops as bad, but this no-snitching policy goes both ways. Cops are quick to knock on our doors, boom, 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 ask questions, you should talk. Tell us what's going on. We need to know what's going on so we can apprehend the perp, the wrongdoing, the injustice. Well, why is it that we can't boom, 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 knock on police precinct door and ask cops, what's going on with, with cop X? You know, what's his history about? Why is he on the beat if he's been suspended before for something similar? And the cops don't want to talk. They're behind that blue wall. So again, no snitching goes both ways, okay? Cops do it. It happens in the streets. And and again, nothing nothing is being nothing's being done on the inside. What I did like is I watched Van Jones, and he is a pundit on CNN, and I agree with him. And there's always this: what can black people do to make this better? And it's all the onus is always on what can black people do? What can we do better? What can we do better? Well, apparently, Mr. Castillo was doing everything right. The cop asked for his ID. He reached for his ID, and he gets shot. So what do you you? You want us to comply, get killed. You don't comply, you get killed. You even look like you're not going to comply, you get killed. I'm sorry, I didn't know the death penalty was on people of, of colored skin. And and it, it's it's really sad. But going back to Van Jones, he said that the onus shouldn't be on black people. We're the ones, we meaning me, I'm black, uh, we're the ones getting killed out here. Why do we have to change the way we do things so that we won't get killed? How many white kids go out? How many white parents tell their kids, you can't do this, 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 that, or you're going to get killed? No, the worst case scenario, you go to the bookings, you get booked, you go down, you see a judge. For for black people, it's it's death. It's it's not going from a violation to the bookings. It's going from a violation to the grave. And what he said, Van, going back to Van Jones, he said white people need to teach their kids about race, about interracial things, about just coexisting with other people who don't look like you. And I completely agree with that. I saw a video recently where a teacher had her kindergartners hug each other at the beginning at the beginning of each day. And I thought it was good because it teaches kids to, to just love thy neighbor, be tolerant of one another, no matter if they look like you or not. So if you are a parent of Caucasian, of whatever race, please teach your kids about just not being afraid of other people who don't necessarily look like them. It goes a long way because guess what? If a kid is raised in a home where there's racial intolerance, that kid becomes a teacher who treats a black student poorly. That that kid becomes a doctor who may not 
perform a procedure the right way on a black person, that kid becomes a police officer who may be in one of these situations where they're completely afraid of people of skin color. And again, it, it's, it's so sad that we have to go this far Go this far way back into it to teach these kids not to hate because kids don't come into this world hating other people it is taught it is learned and some of it we see online some of it is taught right in the household i'll tell you a quick story uh, i live as we i always blast this i live on the borderline of bedford Stuyvesant city williamsburg and the hasidic community when i walk down the street the kids literally and i kid you not their eyes pop out of their head as if they've never seen a colored person in their life they're almost afraid the older women, they hold their bags close when I walk by. When I get in the elevator, older, sometimes older white people will hold their bag tighter. That, that's, that's not just something with older white people. That's cops. These are preconceived notions that are coming in. That's cops, that's doctors, that's lawyers, that's everything else in the book. So again, kids who grow up in an intolerant household or an environment grow up to be intolerant adults. And sometimes they take jobs as police officers. And people say... Well, why don't they have training or psych tests to pick this up? How many times have you cheated a drug test or some type of psych test to get a job? It happens with police officers as well. Apparently, their, their screening process isn't that heavy to weed these people out. So it's going to happen. Then you have the whole black-on-black -black crime, yada, 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 where black people keep killing each other, then white people cannot respect us. My opinion to that is it, you have to look at it as two separate subjects here. Yes, sh Chicago, what's going on is horrible. But those people in Chicago, those kids, those teenagers toting guns in Chicago, they kill each other. It happens. We have bad and good people in the world. A lot of those kids, they ruin their lives anyway by going to jail or they get killed themselves. When a cop abuses authority, what happens? He doesn't go to jail. Someone doesn't go out and kill him. He gets death duty, okay? administrative leave and then death duty. And then what? He gets off. So a person loses their life. A child, Mr. Castillo's daughter, loses a father. Diamond, Diamond Reynolds loses a fiance. And then no one has to pay the consequence for it. Unless there's consequence for these mishaps, then it's going to keep happening. I'm sorry to say it, but these hashtags will keep coming. Yes, we'll have the protests, but these hashtags will keep coming if there is no consequence to it. So where do we go from here? And a lot of people, again, are looking for solutions. I suggested earlier, if you have uh, white friends, please teach your kids racial tolerance in, in this world, because we are in a melting pot. There are Muslims, there are black people, there are Asians, there are Hispanics in this world. We need to respect each other. The other thing is, the president is not going to save you. I, I get on Twitter a lot, and I see these people saying, well, what is Obama going to do? What is Hillary going to do? The best they could do have a speech, maybe a tweet, which is what Hillary did. But guess what they're going to do? Probably next to nothing. When the debates come on, they may mention it for five minutes, but they're going to get to the bigger issues. What's going on overseas? ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. That's the key word here. Well, on American soil, ISIS are the NYPD or whatever PD you live by for some black people. I, I know there are, there are people with anxiety issues because they're afraid of getting stopped. There was an issue. I had a family member who was stopped for a taillighting issue that apparently he wasn't he he wasn't guilty for. Not I wouldn't say guilty, but he didn't he didn't perform the violation. He felt he was unjustly stopped. And the cop had a nasty attitude. 
And I, I know this guy, and he, he's the nicest guy. Wouldn't hurt a fly. But the cops came in to the situation with an attitude. Now, mind you, he's not combating a person with a weapon. This is a traffic stop, and you have an attitude? That is just people who shouldn't be on the police cop beat shouldn't have that job. They need to, they need to recheck all these cops and, and figure out things because certain people just come into a situation with an attitude, with, with, with a combative type of mentality that I need to do this, I need to draw my gun. I remember a summer ago, I was walking across the street. I had a bag in my pocket. It was bulging, yes. A cop drives by. He automatically has his hand on his gun. Now, no one called the cops on me. No one said I was brandishing a weapon or anything. It was a book bag that was in my that was stuffed in my pocket. He's grabbing for his gun the minute he stops the car. That is not how you de-escalate a situation. That's how you call that's how you cause a tragedy, basically. I could have been another hashtag. It didn't happen. I'm thankful for that. Count my lucky stars for that. But it's a situation that goes on far too much. Unless you have money, it, I don't know if you remember James Blake. He was coming out of the Grand Hyatt Hotel. He was tackled. And after they found out who he was, he's half, he's biracial. After they found out who he was, he got preferential treatment. The case was expedited and he, you know, he was treated justly. But not all of us are James Blake. Not all of us are 50 Cent. Not all of us are Rich KD, an athlete, a well-known person in society. Most of us are just living average lives. We're not going to have a type of outcome. So cops tend to overuse their force and this is what happened. I mean, if you want to think about it long term, what can we do? And again, the Hasidic community where I live, they have their own police. They have their own ambulances. So, yes, the cops are, are a little bit involved, but they have their own cops, their own police, their own community. They, they kind of raise themselves up and say, hey, we're going to have a say on how we police and handle our own people. And the NYPD, for the most part, they back off. And if NYPD were to do something, they have a witness on scene saying, no, this is the other side of the story. This is not just NYPD story. This is the other side of it. And it's sad because people say, well, how, how can black people do that? And, I, and I, I go to a doctor out there in Chinatown, and it's nothing but Asian people. They have their own community. There, there are little communities all across New York City. You see it in Queens. They're just little communities of just sets of people. And what I'm saying is if sets of people can do this and build up their own community and police themselves and have their own things, we can do it too. But we just have to try. And it goes beyond protest. It goes beyond hashtagging. It goes beyond being social media mad. It goes into the streets. It goes into the pocketbooks with our money. Money is power. They say black people don't have a lot of power because we're not in positions of power. But we do have money. And money makes people make other decisions, preferable decisions for us. What I will say, a final parting shot. And this is an idea. It may sound crazy. But as I said, people need to understand that having a badge is, is an honor to protect and serve your community. Just as we do overseas with soldiers going overseas and protecting our country, we need to have the same mentality on our soil. Not just overseas defending against ISIS, but on our soil. So if you have a son or a daughter who wants to be a police officer who's in criminal justice, you know, encourage them to be a cop. Because the only way we can possibly change this is to infiltrate it. And me and Mike, I... I joke about this all the time with Mike where I say hostile takeover when we go into a, a media company and we want to be the best in that company. We want to change things and open doors for other people. And this is what needs to happen with African Americans and police officers. Maybe we need more African American police officers. I'm not saying African Americans are perfect police officers either, but we need other people of our kind to understand the people that they're policing. 
So if you have a neighborhood and you have African-American cops who are always on the beat, they know you, maybe I wouldn't have gotten stopped that day. Maybe my relative wouldn't have got stopped driving that day if, if there were cops that are usually on the beat and share the same skin color, maybe the same background, and could say, hey, I don't have to approach this person with hostility. I can de-escalate the situation, give this guy a ticket, or just stop him and ask him a question and keep it moving. But again, maybe if we took policing as serious as we as we do soldiers overseas, we would have we would have different outcomes. We have less senseless killings on our own soil. Unfortunately, we just we live in a we live in a really screwed up time, and uh, you know we we hope that you know this conversation can can do something to to help the narrative and uh, to to make progress because you know things have to change, have to get better, otherwise. It's just it doesn't really just doesn't make sense. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to every day to wake up and hear something else horrible happen in the news. You know, uh, it's just it's it's a really strange time, and you know we hope that the little bit of sports that we talk and the fun that we have can uh, you know ease your mind a little bit. But again, getting back to to the the important stuff, the things that really need to matter and change, go out and be active. Uh, be a positive force in the world. Make things better for you, your family, future generations. And that's really it. Yeah, and one, one, one final parting shot. Um, we need to uplift each other, you know, especially within the black community. Uplift the positive black image, the positive stuff, not the stupid fights you see on World Star Hip Hop, but the positive stuff. The girl who gets accepted to five Ivy League schools, the guy who's a doctor. Do, we need to do, we need to uplift ourselves. I'm not saying the onus falls all on us. But we need to reinforce a positive African-American black image in our society so that people don't view us as the monsters, as, as some cops do when we're out in the street. And as I said, if, if you have to, if you know a person who's into criminal justice, push them towards maybe a job with the FBI, NYPD, whatever PD office is near you, or our government office position where they can make a difference with laws or, or kind of lobby for things to change, change some things so that we, we get more respect because they're not going to implement some type of "Quote unquote black law." We're gonna we're gonna have to infiltrate and change the culture from within, and hopefully have people that are, are gonna change things for for us as a, as a community and as a people for everyone, not just black people for 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 everyone, Hispanics, Asians, even some even some white people who sympathize with African Americans who are unjustly treated because there are just as many white people as African Americans at that protest in Harlem today. So, to my black people, love yourselves and and love each other, and and to your kids. Hug your kids tighter and just hope that they don't end up in a in a, in a bad outcome, a serious situation once they get older and they're out in the car, out in the streets, because there's really no telling, there's really no stopping evil in this world. There will always be evil, there will always be injustice, there will always be wrongdoing. We're just trying to lessen it, but the best you can do is to uplift your kids, teach them, teach them the right way to handle police officers, no matter how tough it could be, and just pray and hope for the best. All right, well... That is it for episode 21 of the Mike and Mo Show. Uh, of course, go on YouTube, search Mike and Mo Show. Go on Facebook, Mike and Mo Show. Twitter, Mike and Mo Show. Instagram, Mike and Mo Show. iTunes, I mean, I could just tell you this all day. But we want to continue to uh, to spread the message, to spread some joy if we can, to, you know, just to, uh, just to keep our voices being heard in, in any light and every light that we possibly can. So until next week, I'm Mike Calandrillo. He, as always, is Maurice Moten. And uh, we can't wait to do it again with you next week. Take care. Stay safe, folks.